Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, of course, powered by Overtime Media. I am Jake Kokorowski, senior writer at BadgerBlitz.com. Of course, your rivals.com destination for all things Wisconsin athletics from the recruiting trail inside Camp Randall Stadium and on the court of the Kohl Center. About that latter one, Wisconsin, of course, honored Michael Finley and retired his number 24 jersey to the rafters of the Kohl Center yesterday. A great moment there. Uh, Wisconsin comes out with a 77-63 victory over Minnesota, not Minnesota, Michigan. Uh, but of course, that's all kind of secondary storylines, right, Ben? Uh, we're here with Benjamin Wargo, fellow senior writer at BadgerBlitz.com, uh, with what transpired after the game, uh, immediate, you know, even towards the end of the game, and then obviously immediately afterwards with the post-game handshake line. Uh, ben, a what? a day that should have been a celebration uh, and an enjoyable, obviously a big 10 matchup with down the stretch with five games to play for Wisconsin uh, in the regular season on, you know, they're going towards a big 10 title uh, And obviously they're amongst Purdue and Illinois at the top of the league right now. Uh, you have Johnny Davis with a superb performance. Uh, they honor a legend that should have had his jer- Jersey retired far, far earlier. And now uh, that's all overshadowed really right now, at least everyone talking about it uh, with what happened and what transpired uh, with the, whatever you want to call it, melee incident altercations uh, on the Cole center court after the game. Yeah. Boxing hasn't been at Wisconsin in 62 years, Jake, but certainly it made a, an encore appearance uh, Sunday afternoon. And, you know, it, and Greg Gard said it best after the game, it overshadowed what was a really great day for Wisconsin. You know, you retire Michael Finley's jersey at halftime. Um, you had a, a tremendous second half uh, to put the game away. Uh, Wisconsin gets another really quality victory. I think Michigan into the day it's just uh, outside the top 30 in the net rankings. You know, the day before, they're ranked 13th as the 13th overall seat by the NCAA. So they're on the path to potentially open the first rounds of the tournament just down the road in Milwaukee. And then this breaks out. Um, you know, awesome five players in double figures for Wisconsin. They shoot 50% from the floor. There's so many things you can and should be talking about about this performance for Wisconsin, which now enters into their final road trip of the season this week against Minnesota and Rutgers. But again, it's you know the day after, and no one's talking about the great performances. We're talking about what happened in the final 15 seconds, and then especially what happened in the handshake line, and then what was said and what wasn't said in, in the post-game locker room. Absolutely. And so, I mean, I guess we can approach it. Like I do want to talk about at the end of the show, the game, and, and also just your recollection, because you and I are around the same age and, you know, there's no fan in me anymore, but, you know, we'll talk about this later, but just seeing someone walking in the same room as Michael Finley, who he and Tracy Webster introduced me and Stu Jackson introduced me to Wisconsin basketball as a kid. And I wanted to kind of touch base on just his legacy and what he, you know, what he did for Wisconsin basketball, what that era did for Wisconsin basketball in a little bit. But, you know, I guess we'll, we will talk about that end of the game. I mean, let's go to the end of the game. Let's go before the pushing, the shoving, and then what went beyond that, you know, last minute of the game, Wisconsin has its reserves and not just like the reserves that were, you could say, the the contributors right it was you know you know those that were walk-ons etc uh michigan and howard you know juan howard michigan's head coach said that after the game that it wasn't a press 
if you will. Uh, he <laughs> he noted it as, as and I'm bringing it up right here because my computer is taking forever. It's a pressure defense, and you can't spell yes. pressure without P R E S S, which is the most mind-boggling thing to me. How you know, John Howard obviously knows what happened. He had a front row seat to it. And then for him to come into the post media conversation and not apologize for any of the actions really was eye opening to me. Um, and a couple things to kind of look at this situation. Um, Juwan Howard has every right to coach his team for the full 40 minutes of the game. That having been said, Gregard also has a right to coach his team how he sees fit for the full 40 minutes of the game. There is no question that Juwan Howard has two stars on the floor. He is down by, what was it, 15 points with 15 seconds left, and he is pressing Wisconsin's reserves who are currently in the game. They are picking Wisconsin players up full court at the, at the free throw line, double teaming. They're trying to get the ball back. Ball goes out of bounds. Greg Gard is told by an official, if you call a timeout, you can reset the 10-second clock to give your players more time. Gard has timeouts. He makes the call. That's totally within his right. If you are coaching your team to the final whistle, you can't be mad that another coach is coaching his team to the final whistle. Juwan Howard and the Michigan players who were available said that they were upset that the game was extended. Well, they're trying to extend the game. They are trying to get the ball back and score to, for whatever reason, make the margin not as wide as it was, whatever the reason was, they were trying to extend the game. So that argument from Juwan Howard to me that he's offended by what Greg R is doing is moot. And we all hear this so often too from coach speak over the years. You only can coach one team. So Juwan Howard is coaching his team and he's trying to have Greg Gard He's trying to coach Greg Gard's team as well. I have a problem with that. Now, certainly the handshake line, yes, Greg Gard makes contact with Juwan Howard, who's just trying to do a, a blow-by. He doesn't want to talk to Gard. He's mad at Gard for the timeout. And Gard makes contact with Howard, grabs him by the elbow, to try to explain himself why he did what he did. I can see how people can view that as instigating the situation. I can see how... I, I am a 37-year-old white male. I can see how a different age and a different race than me can view that differently. I totally get that. This is just from my perspective. Then when Juwan Howard, you watch the video, Juwan Howard then grabs guard around the the shirt and twists it a little bit and starts pointing at him. So that's where it escalates. Now, you watch the videos, and there's a ton of videos out there from different angles. Joe Krabinoff does come in and appears to say something at Juwan Howard as Juwan Howard is kind of leaving the scrum. And there is a full scrum at this point. And then Krabinoff then starts talking to the other players that are right in the mix. What Krabinoff said, we don't know. Krabinoff has declined to comment on what he on what was said by him. Instead, pointing to what guard and AD Chris McIntosh said post-game. And Howard comes in and takes a swipe at him. Um, not quite a punch, not quite a slap, kind of a combination of the two. And then all hell breaks loose where uh, Jacoby Neath and other Michigan players are fighting. Shreve Chambliss is on the ground uh, and kind of getting tussled a little bit. It, it just was an ugly, ugly scene that, in my opinion, was started by Jawan Howard's decision, down 15 with 23 seconds to go, 
to pick up uh, Carter Gilmore and Carter Higginbottom at the old free throw line, 75 some feet from the basket. That's where this started. And then when he had a problem with how another coach is coaching his team, that's where he was offended. And then certainly, like I said, the guard trying to explain himself by grabbing Howard's shoulder and Howard saying that he felt at that time he needed to defend himself, which also seems patently foolish where Howard is what, six eleven, and Greg is six foot. Howard played 19 years in the NBA, three years in Michigan, and he needs to defend himself from a coach from Cobb, Wisconsin, who didn't play, you know, past the, the, the college level. It just, it seems very petty to me how Juwan Howard handled the situation during the game, after the game, and so they're talking to us in the media where he tried to spin it in his direction. And the whole thing that we weren't pressing, it was just a five-man pressure defense. That, to me, was kind of the icing on the cake. And it'll be interesting to see whenever the Big Ten makes its statement on the situation exactly how long Juwan Howard's going to have to sit down for. The one thing about the the touching of the elbow and just going through on badgerblitz.com folks. And like I said, we have video up on our YouTube page of everything. We have uh, Juwan Howard's press availability. We have Hunter Dickinson and Devonte Jones's availability. We have the Badger players availability with Davison, Johnny Davis and Tyler wall. And of course we have Greg guard and Chris McIntosh talking. That's all up on badgerblitz.com on our YouTube page. So we have all that there. We have our articles up, you know, and he said, you know, when someone had asked was just what kind of, takes that situation and heightens it from disagreement, you know, from that to like, you know, hitting a, an assistant coach, you know, they touched about Howard talked about the touching uh, and whatnot. And, you know, and this is a quote for someone to touch me. And I think that was very uncalled for, for him to touch me as we were verbalizing, communicating with one another. That's what ended up happening. And that's what escalated it uh, within that. I mean, I guess with that, and then, you know, he thought that, on top of that, like, you know, the contact exceeded the normal limits of the handshake seen normally during the games. Uh, and you talked about it where, you know, guards looks like his left hand does touch the, the right elbow, right forearm area of, of Howard uh, when they're talking or, you know, exchanging uh, not, not so. Well, no, pleasant, no question. It does because guard, because, right. you know, because Juwan Howard says, uh, I'll remember that expletive right. and guard, you know, as he looks like he was already going to kind of, you know, pat him on the elbow. And then when Howard said that, guard kind of put his arm there to reposition himself in front of Howard to try to explain himself. I don't think there was malicious intent involved. In fact, I've known Greg Guard for 20 years. I know there was no malicious intent involved. Guard wanted to explain himself why he did what he did because – and guard had no issue – with Juwan Howard pressing. None at all. There was no issue there, but Guard wanted to put his players in the best position to have success. And, you know, Dan Fahey, former Wisconsin walk-on, threw this out there yesterday too, that he says, quote, as a former walk-on who would get in with a few seconds left, I would appreciate the t- that timeout to reset, especially going against starters who already played 30-plus minutes. So it's totally within Guard's right. He, the officials told him, if you call timeout, we'll give you six extra seconds reset the clock to get the ball over. And it's not like Wisconsin was going to go and try to get you know, an easy bucket. They were trying to dribble off the clock. Michigan was preventing them from doing that. And all guard wanted to do was get his reserves set, organized, in order to break the press or the five-man pressure, as Juwan, uh, Juwan Howard is calling it, and end the game. So 
that's what Gar was trying to do, and Howard wanted none of it, and that caused finger pointing and tussling and pushing and shoving, and then uh, eventually a uh, slap to the face of Joe Kravinoff by Juwan Howard. Right, and I think it's one thing to know too is Zach Heilprin kind of he compiled this last night. Our our colleague. Uh, who covers Wisconsin athletics and a bunch more for WOZN here in Madison uh, sports director. And just, yeah, uh, he compiled this yesterday talking about, uh, he showed videos of guard and Howard. I'm watching this right now as we're talking, just, he does the same motion. The first video that (laughs) Zach showed was of the video of guard with his hand, left hand reaching over to the right elbow. And you're seeing that, you know, right. Maybe bicep tricep area. So this seems like the this is something that Greg does, you know, uh, in terms of that. And it wasn't necessarily, you said, malicious. Uh, you know, obviously, Juwan was in a much angrier mood, uh, not so happy mood compared to what you saw in the video uh, that Zach compiled there. But uh, so there's that. And then you, know, you talk about the words exchange uh, afterwards and we're not trying to do like a Zapruder film. We, we're, we're doing this verbal podcast, right folks. So you guys can't see uh, what we're talking about. So we're not going to try to go. Uh, if you take a look at maze and blue review, uh, they put together, uh, you know, a video and a breakdown from what they saw from their vantage point. So we'll direct you to there. If you go to michigan.rivals.com, it's up on their site uh, and on their front page. Uh, and whatnot. Uh, and, and you said the word looks like they're exchanged. You saw the Wisconsin assistant step up in front of guard. You talk about Joe Krabenhoff, the assistant who himself, what, six, eight, six, nine, uh, you know, Sharif Chambliss, uh, former Wisconsin player himself uh, also in that. Um, and, you know, we don't, again, we don't know what was actually discussed, what was actually said. I know in that maze and blue review video that, you know, that was posted that kind of breaking down the video uh, there are, thoughts about that, but we don't know for sure. And you said, you know, Joe has not said anything about what was discussed in, in the lead up to the, the strike at the head. Uh, you know, you can, you call it a strike. It's not a, I wouldn't call it a punch cause it's not a closed fist, but looked like a head slap a strike. Uh, someone called it a swipe, uh, whatnot. Uh, but then you saw that happen and, uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, does, one question for you, Ben, does that escalate it when the assistants jump up more uh, into that to, to defend guard? Or I guess I'm trying to figure, you know, like in terms of escalation, how this escalates further, you know, what goes up to the point where then all of a sudden, you know, you see, you know, Howard strike an assistant. Well, typically for those that, that haven't watched the post game handshake line, typically that coach, this is just speaking from Wisconsin, the head coach will go first followed by the assistant coaches, followed by the players, and then whoever at the at the end. And so, you know, Michigan players went first. Howard, it looks like Michigan's Michigan staff went first, then the players. Juwan Howard is kind of waiting at the near the end of the line. He didn't jump in right away. And then he kind of jumped in between the players who had their jerseys on and then the players who had their jerseys off. And that's when it starts. And then UW's staff and assistants are right behind. So they kind of jump in. And then the Michigan, other Michigan staff who are already well through the line, they come running back to kind of get in. And as soon as they get there, that's when the slap happens. So, again, I don't see, other than guard grabbing Juwan Howard by the elbow, 
and tried to tell him, hey, this is what happened. That's what Michigan people are latching on to, that and the timeout, um, completely missing the fact that Howard has is guarding the inbounder and, and the other defenders on his side, of the, on Michigan's side of the court. They're latching on to that was what escalated it. It was just guard wanting to explain himself and then Juwan Howard taking offense to the elbow touch and then aggressively touching guard and finger pointing. And then it just, as we said, just kind of boiled over from there. The videos are fantastic. Um, maybe fantastic is not the right word. They're just, they're very informative of how exactly it happened, how it just kind of all rippled from there. Um, Juwan Howard yelling at great guard from the end line and, and guard says, you know, shaking his head says, yeah, I'm right here. Yeah. Call me good. I'm here. Um, just very surreal watching that kind of play out at the end of a, a game that was decided by, you know, 14 points. I mean, and talk about the videos, you know, CBS sports obviously had that. I think the one that really pops out to Pablo from WKOW, Pablo Iglesias, uh, amazing uh, video and getting that on there. So uh, shout out to Pablo for, for what he did and uh, in, in capturing those moments, got to, you know, uh, for what they do over, you know, with, with, TV there. So shout out to Pablo from WKOW for, for grabbing those at that angle there. That was really up close. Uh, and I'm sure that the, <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing the big 10 will probably use that uh, with, with that, those angles and that, that vantage point too. Uh, I guess when it comes to the players involved, you know, and, and you know, you talked about, you know, we talked about Krabinoff and Chambliss and just, you know, them, their players throwing, it looked like they're, it appeared to, you look at other reports, right? Um, Wisconsin State Journal, I think uh, a couple, of, I think even uh, the Amazing Blue Review to talk about Terrence Williams, the second Musa Diabate, the, the latter being a for, you know a former five-star signee. Uh, they appear to th- do more than shoving uh, in terms of that. Jacoby Neath, uh, you know, it appears that way as well in terms of all three through it. Um, even just right before we started recording, right, Ben. Uh, I, you know, I, re- I retweeted this, but, you know, on the field of 50, 68 podcast, uh, you're looking at Randolph Childress, who looking at his stats quickly was a, you know, former assistant coach at where Wake Forest, where did Jacoby Neath come from Wake Forest before you came to Wisconsin? You know, the one I haven't listened to the full clip, which is about 70 to 80 seconds, but he says that, uh, you know, the one highlight of this tweet, which again, it's 240 characters, folks. So I haven't read this, but uh, listen to this fully. But it said, Coach, I looked over there and I saw a couple of guys hitting my coach. And that was what Childress told this podcast, uh, saying this is what, that's what Neath told him uh, about the incident there. I guess, too, uh, going from that, I guess, what's next do you feel within this, Ben, where you have, you know, obviously a head coach that, you know, I guess it's one thing with Howard where, you know, with everything leading up to it, it could have calmed down if he doesn't hit Krabenhoff, right? And that's when it really took on a life of it. I mean, you watch that video again, it takes on a bigger life of its own after that. Uh, but what should be the punishment? Do you feel let's, let's start off with, with, with the, with the coaches who should be punished in your eyes and, and what should be handed down by the big 10? Well, I, I, I have to say that I think it's laughable 
that people on Twitter are saying guards should be suspended for one game or multiple games without pay because he touched Juwan Howard's elbow in a handshake line. Um, and if you watch the video again, guard grabs, he goes, he has his left arm extended as Howard's walking by for the blow by. And when Howard says, you know, I'll remember that guard kind of maybe grabs it a little, maybe just a little firm to kind of push himself into, into the front of Howard it lasted like one, maybe two seconds tops. And then he lets go. And then Howard starts, you know, finger wagging and then grabbing guard by the, the pullover. It feels like Howard almost grabs guard for as long, if not longer than guard grabbed Howard. So I don't think guard is, has any suspension here. I'd be shocked if he get, even gets fined for anything like this. I don't think any, Greg Gard didn't do anything that coaches haven't done in handshake lines for for years. Happens all the time that there's more than a handshake. There's an elbow grab, hug, whatever. Um, Juwan Howard's going to get suspended at least two games, um, and that's the maximum that he can be suspended under the Big Ten sportsmanship policy. It's it's limited to two games and ten thousand dollar fine. However, it'll be interesting to see if. Michigan will add on to that suspension with kind of a nudging from the Big Ten to give him more than two games to suspend him for the rest of the regular season, maybe further than that, because Michigan, that athletic department can add their own additional games and sanctions to it. Um, the only way for a league, for the Big Ten to go beyond those plans would have to have to have approval from a joint group of executive committee. And if Michigan's unwilling to do a longer suspension, maybe the Big Ten pursues that route because, you know, Chris McIntosh doesn't appear in post-game news conferences. He doesn't sit in the back. He doesn't address the media, or he hasn't this year, I should say, in his first year being the AD for basketball. But for him to come in and speak so forcefully, uh, composed, but you could tell he was angry, they spoke to Kevin Warren how this has no place in the league. I would imagine the Big Ten and Michigan will jointly come down aggressively on uh, Juwan Howard. Um, be interesting to see. I've been hitting the refresh button all day to kind of wait for that news because it's going to happen today. One would assume both these teams play on Wednesday. I don't think announcing it tomorrow would be fair to either institution. Um, in terms of the players, I think the three players you mentioned, uh, the two from Michigan and Jacoby Neath, will face a suspension. You can't throw a punch no matter the situation, no matter if you're defending someone or not. Um, they will each be suspended, maybe a game, maybe two. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a situation that was escalated because Juwan Howard came back to hit Joe Krabinoff. I mean, it was, it was, there was some pushing and shoving a little bit, but nothing that warranted suspension until Juwan Howard, who was walking away, came back and reached out and struck Joe Krabinoff in the head. So um, that's where I see it. Um, again, I don't see Greg Gard being in a situation where he should be suspended, where he deserves the majority of the fault, maybe minimal. If Gard doesn't say anything and lets Juwan Howard just go, this doesn't happen. I understand that. I get that part of the argument. but. You know, Juwan Howard striking the 
striking Joel Kravinoff is really what set this whole thing off. I guess too, within that, and maybe just just to, with our vantage point and, you know, us covering the Wisconsin beat, you know, and I know, I mean, you talk about, you know, you hitting the refresh button. Well, on social media, it's, it's been interesting just to watch, you know, I don't mean to hit the refresh button as often on Twitter. I feel like I'm already on there way too much for my own dang. Are we all? Yep. But I guess, you know, you're seeing both sides, you know, like you see Michigan fans saying one thing, you have Wisconsin fans say, you know, other, you know, I, and you know, you're seeing the fan bases go back and forth. I guess with me, I'm wondering just so that we say, you know, on this podcast, we kind of cover just this topic who watching you've watched the video how many times now i guess within that ben just do you where do you feel there could have been wisconsin i'm saying this from wisconsin side who from wisconsin potentially escalated the situation you know in that maybe we'll leave it at, at that uh for this subject before we move on to the basketball you know the game itself and michael finley but yeah, who do you um, feel? You know, who do you feel like guard? Guard to a degree, um, just because he prevented Juwan Howard from leaving for a, for a moment, and then Juwan Howard took offense to that and felt he needed to defend himself, and then that caused everyone to kind of congregate and try to separate the two. And then Joe Kravinoff coming in and appearing to say something in the direction of Juwan Howard, and then talking to other players and then John Howard coming back in and, and hitting Joe Kravinoff. But the, the one thing I will say that I found very interesting listening to John Howard talk after the game about why he, he didn't really explain the, the punch to Kravinoff. He said he was upset about the timeout. If Joe Kravinoff said something to him that was over the line, and that could mean a number of different things, John Howard would have said something right then and there. Juwan Howard is, as we can see, is not a person that is going to bite his tongue over something that has him aggravated. So whatever Joe Krabinoff said to me doesn't get to the point where it crossed a crossed that imaginary line between he the battle and widely inappropriate and condemnable. So I would love to know what was said. I would love to know what Jawan Howard's take on why he came back and decided to hit Joe Krabnoff and not Greg Gard. I also would like to know why Jawan Howard felt it was okay to do his five-man pressure when you're down 15 points, but not be okay for Greg Gard to call timeout. I would love to kind of know why he was okay with what his team was doing in that situation, not what Wisconsin and what, and not what Wisconsin was doing. So, um, it, I, I don't know what more you can say about it, Jake. Um, I think it's, it looks very bad on Howard Moore, uh, not Howard Moore, excuse me, on, on Juwan Howard. I'm thinking about Howard Moore because of, of uh, Michael Finley, what Juwan Howard did and the example that he set. And I feel, um, I feel bad for people on Twitter trying to make the case that this was, you know, all Greg Gart's fault. That was, Greg Gard's issue when you watch the whole tape of how everything transpired from 15 seconds to the end of the game until the teams walked off the court. And, you know, this all could have been avoided if, you know, Juwan Howard just, you know, let the game end and what, what most coaches would do in that situation when you're in an impossible situation where your team can't win. Yeah. I think the, the biggest takeaway from here is that uh, 
Brad Davison just really wanted to sing varsity. Yes, he did. He did. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, I did see an outlandish. Okay. I'm not going to say who said it, but there is a, uh, someone apparently 10 hours ago, we're recording at about 1140 central time on a Monday. And someone apparently believes that Davison was trying in this tweet verbatim, trying to get the fight re-engaged, you know, under the guise of. Oh, of course. Of course, singing varsity. I don't think varsity is a code word for <laughs> battling uh, another so let's team. Drop gloves again. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, let's. Yeah, let, you know, it's it's not uh, a sneak attack. Oh, let's just go over to this side and then you know. Uh, anyways, so uh, let's take a quick break, Ben. Let's let's come back. We'll talk about the game. We'll talk about Michael Finley here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. We are back here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, of course, powered by Overtime Media. I'm Jay Kokorowski. We got Ben Morgel, senior writer, the basketball beat writer for BadgerBlitz.com. Uh, and, of course, uh, you know, he tagged me in yesterday for this and uh, quite the day to <laughs> – quite the day, Ben, uh, to to have me sub in for this and obviously a, a crazy end of the game uh, and whatnot. But let's talk about the game itself. We'll end on Michael Finley. 77-63, you mentioned it, five players in double figures, led by Johnny, I'm going to call him Johnny Takeover, in regards to Johnny Gargano, the professional wrestler. Johnny Takeover Davis, 25 points, 11-17 shooting, six rebounds, three blocks in 37 minutes. Quite the performance from him, but also you saw all five starters in double figures. And a really key second half where in about nine and a half minutes, they went on a 23-2 run to really put the game out of the, out of reach and Michigan never brought the deficit below 10 points. Yeah. And eight of the nine players who played uh, in the rotation scored, um, you know, Wisconsin was limited yesterday because Lauren Bowman was out with a non COVID illness. And the one player that didn't score, Ben Carlson had six rebounds to tie for the team lead. So uh, I thought the bench play was, was really uh, excellent. And that's kind of been an issue that, you know, I've written about and that's been talked about with this team for quite some time because they rely so heavily on their starters. But to get, you know, six points from Jacoby Neath, uh, four for four from the line in 12 minutes, I thought was a real positive sign. Chris Vogt, uh, four points in 12 minutes with, with a couple blocks. I thought that was big. Uh, I thought Wisconsin defensively in the second half improved quite a bit. Hunter Dickinson had a really nice first half. I think he had 15 on six of 10 shooting, and then the second half just six. Yep. On three of five, you know, Michigan was held to just 40% for the game. They really didn't shoot the perimeter shot well, three for 15 in the second half. That helped Wisconsin to separate. And so many really good performances in the second half for Wisconsin. You know, Davison and double figures for the second half. Davis was 17 in the second half. Stephen Crawl with nine. Crawl has just been so steady this year. Not super flashy. You know, there's been some games where he's had the gaudy point totals, but more often than not, he's right around 10 points. You know, 10 or 9, he had 11 on uh, Sunday, you know, five rebounds. More often than not, he finishes with a positive in the plus-minus category. You know, Tyler Wall getting back on track with 10 and 6. He kind of been scoffling as of late. This was just a really solid, well-rounded performance. Badgers got 44 points in the paint and did a really nice job scoring in the paint despite getting out-rebounded by 10, 38-28. It was kind of ugly, too, in the – in the first half with the rebounding totals. Uh, so there's so many good things to latch onto 
with his performance. And unfortunately, a lot of that is, has been overshadowed here the last 24 hours because of what happened after the game. Right. And you look at that, you know, Wisconsin, their bench production you know, was astronomical compared to what they had against Indiana. You know, they had 11 bench points overall. Wisconsin actually won the points in the paint 44 to 34, which yeah. was intriguing. Yeah. Obviously with Dickinson and just what he can do, that left hand is, is quite potent and whatnot. Uh, and, you know, overall Wisconsin played a really good game turnover wise, only eight again, but on top of that, they took 17 points off the turnovers, uh, which obviously is key uh, off of Michigan's 12. And I gosh, you know, you talk about the offensive rebounds too. I remember looking at, uh, you know, I think they, was it they had eight? I think it was Michigan had eight offensive rebounds in that first half. I think Wisconsin had what, 11 in the first half, 11 total offensive real, uh, or they had 13 total rebounds uh, in that first half. So really, I think Wisconsin, you know, it's a good win. Uh, there's a lot of talent on that Michigan team and, you know, it'll be interesting to see just uh, obviously how, what happened after the game will affect that program moving forward uh, for the rest of the regular season and into the tournament, uh, especially what their postseason aspirations could be for folks that weren't there or could not hear on the broadcast. The student section was yelling NIT to Michigan. And mm-hmm. so uh, on top of that, but um, you know, we'll, we'll transition over to, to Michael Finley then, you know, where at halftime we were tied 31, 31. Uh, it was a, you know, very nice ceremony video package put together uh, and whatnot throughout the games at, at various media timeouts. You saw uh, players, you know, former teammates, you saw Mark Cuban, you saw uh, Steve Nash, on the video board, uh, you know, congratulating them. They had a, uh, if I'm not mistaken, a message from, from Howard Moore, uh, in a, you know, a written form, uh, and a picture. So, uh, that, is, you know, a lot of great memories. Uh, he is a player that, again, the fan has been out of me, Ben, for quite some time now, but I grew up watching, you know, back in the Milwaukee area, there's Marquette basketball, there's Wisconsin basketball, but the first time I was introduced to the Badgers, it was Michael Finley, Tracy Webster being led by Stu Jackson. And that still stuck with me. And then I'm seven feet away yesterday from Michael Finley <laughs> asking questions, man. Like it, it's weird, man. Like it's, it's like 10, 12 year old Jake is, you know, not freaking out, but I'm just like, huh, that's pretty cool. You know? And so I guess, what is your recollection recollections, you know, of, of Finley when you grew up watching basketball in, in the state of Wisconsin, just what did he mean to the program? What did that te- those teams mean to this program and building it to be in this consistent, uh, I'll call it a powerhouse because it's been to so many tournaments that, you know, NCAA tournaments, you know, in the past two decades, but you know, what were the building blocks that he let he and others laid to get Wisconsin to this point with the program? Well, yeah, I mean that you just laid it out right there that Michael Finley was so dynamic and such a, a quiet, confident leader that he was able to kind of galvanize the roster with some really good players. That's what I was thinking about Howard Moore earlier, and I, I miss Howard Moore. I wish he was healthy and wish that he was um, able to be at games and still coach, and certainly the things that have held him back have been tragic, and you know, my, still my thoughts and prayers always go out to Howard Moore and, and his son. And you know, Tracy Webster there too, I think. Th- those, those three were so big um, to get – Wisconsin over the hump, you know, it'd been 47 years between NCAA tournament appearances for Wisconsin and Finley 
helped get them there. And he was so consistent. You know, he played a ton. I think his senior, his his final year, 37 minutes a game he played. I think it was 37.1, something like that. He averaged over 20 in his time at Wisconsin and was the school's all-time leading scorer for a number of years until Lando Tucker passed him. And I always was hopeful that Wisconsin would retire Michael Finley's jersey, um, his number, because of just what he he meant and he set that foundation to what this program has been since, you know, 2000 with three final four appearances, a number of big 10 championships and just the consistency of making the tournament virtually every year, but, but one year during that stretch. And, you know, I have no problem with, with Ab Nichols being up there and, and Frank Kaminsky. I can understand why they, they um, raised his, retired his number first because it's fresh in people's mind and he had such a tremendous you know senior year and junior year but for Michael Philly to be next I thought it was just I thought it was deserving long overdue and uh, it'll be interesting to see what the next number is going to be if there is going to be a next number you know, there's some candidates out there uh, but everyone kind of there's no clear-cut next person so it's, it's kind of a uh, a very unique and rare honor for Wisconsin for all their 120 some years of history just have three players with their their jersey retired and all three uh deserving for for a variety of reasons and certainly michael finley was the architect to what this wisconsin basketball program is now and easily their best pro as well for what he did in the pros um you know nba champion what he's doing now too with all the different things he's doing in a positive light and certainly representing wisconsin in the right way and uh, it, it's good to see uh, Michael Finley um, have so many people come and support him, and, and how touch Finley was uh, from the time he knew this was going to happen until his jersey, his number finally made it to its resting place. Uh, just how touched he was by the honor. All right, last question before I let you go, Ben. Who do you think would be the next one? Who do you think is next? Could be in line or deserves to have their number retired by Wisconsin? Uh, to be honest. I, I don't know if there is one. Um, maybe Alondo Tucker, but you know, for a variety of reasons, I think that one's going to have to wait uh, a, a number of years. Leave it at that. But no, I, I know some people have clamored for Sam Decker to have his number retired. I, I can't see that. I think Sam was really good his junior year and came in with a huge pedigree and, and is a, was a tremendous player at Wisconsin. But was he to the point to have his number retired? Uh, I don't know. Uh, Devin Harris certainly could be up there too, uh, with what Devin did in his three years and what he did as a as a professional. It's another in-state athlete who came in with a lot of accolades. So if I had to pick between the three I mentioned, maybe Devin Harris, but uh, I can't see uh, Wisconsin retiring another one anytime soon. I don't think there's another slam dunk uh, person that needs their number or should have their number retired after what you know. Kaminsky was a slam dunk. Michael Finley was an overdue slam dunk. Um, I don't know the next slam dunk. I don't see that that next slam dunk yet. Maybe if Johnny Davis wins National Player of the Year and leads Wisconsin to a national championship, maybe they will uh, hoist his banner up the day, hoist his number up the day he declares for the NBA draft after the season. Ben, man, appreciate you as always coming on the show. What do you got coming up on BadgerBlitz.com uh, coming up this week? And obviously, some you talked about the road battle before the road travels before for Wisconsin coming up, Minnesota Rutgers. But what else you got in store for us over at wisconsin.rivals.com? 
Uh, tomorrow we'll look at why Wisconsin basketball has finished above Minnesota in the Big Ten standings for the last 24 consecutive years. It's a remarkable streak. It's a streak I know a lot of Wisconsin fans wear with uh, uh, with, with pride. Um, not sure if there's going to be availability in the next two days or not. Probably not. So we'll take a closer look at Wisconsin-Michigan. Uh, we'll get you ready for Wisconsin-Minnesota and then Wisconsin-Rutgers Saturday at 5 o'clock. That's going to be probably – uh, I won't say the toughest because Wisconsin has Purdue after that, but that's going to be a tough game for Wisconsin this weekend. Rutgers is playing remarkably well. You know they fell at Purdue yesterday, um, but you know they're what four and one. Their last five games all coming against ranked teams. They put themselves right there in the mix of the tournament. Wisconsin has not played well at Rutgers since joining the Big Ten. They only have one win there, and I think five appearances, one and four there. So. Um, this is a big week. This is an important week for Wisconsin in terms of those important uh, positive uh, quad one and two victories and avoiding any bad losses and still trying to build momentum for tournaments, postseason play, and, and certainly stay in the hunt for a Big Ten title just a half game behind Purdue with Purdue coming to the Cole Center next week. Folks, appreciate you listening to the podcast. Make sure, again, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you find podcasts, badgerblitz.com podcast is where it's at. Of course, you can go to, of course, wisconsin.rivals.com, badgerblitz.com, subscribe. Uh, you know, obviously our podcast and our YouTube channel, which go to YouTube, type in Badger Blitz. You get all videos. We had our great chat with Jack Sanborn just a couple of days ago, too. Uh, amongst the craziness that happened last yesterday. We have a great interview with a lot of former Badgers that are working to get to the NFL uh, this off season. So make sure you check out that one with Jack, uh, but for subscribing uh, for badgerblitz.com, you know, go to rivals.com or wisconsin.rivals.com type in, you know, obviously subscribe there. We have a lot of great information. We've been breaking news uh, and whatnot too. So please give us a shot to earn your business uh, for all the latest, again, from the recruiting trail, inside Camp Randall Stadium and on the court of the Kohl Center. For Ben Wargle, I'm Jay Kokorowski. Y'all have a great week. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, powered by Overtime Media.